Hello, I'm Scott Millis, senior pastor here at Living Word Family Church, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope that today's message encourages you and equips you in your walk with Christ. Here's today's message. I, before I dive into the message, I need to take care of some business first. Last week, I told, uh, I got teased a lot because of all the food illustrations. Uh, and I know it was heavy on the food stuff. Then that was for a reason. You can go back and listen to it. Uh, I didn't get carried away. That was all part of what I planned to share. And part of that was the banana story. Do you remember last, last week I talked about the Gros Michel banana versus the Cavendish banana? And if you're thinking, what does this have to do with Thanksgiving or anything? Again, go back and listen to the message. But uh, Nicole Irvin raced after me out the tunnel right after service and says, I have a bone to pick with you. That banana story, was it true? I said, yeah, it was true. She goes, well, ever since you told the story about the curry, I've had doubts. Every time you start to tell a story or some crazy illustration, I'm thinking, is he pulling my leg? And then I heard Courtney maybe was asking the same question, and I thought, who else is sitting there wondering that whole time I'm talking about the Cavendish banana, is he going to pull one of these curry things on us again? No, I'm not. I will. T- <laughs> that was the whole story about the origin of the word purdy, remember? That the, the old, hey, this is where, why we call people pretty. You'll have to find that one. I couldn't even tell you what was that in the, even in the middle of. But it was all about knowing what the word says. Because I can stand up here and say anything. But I went out of my way to make up a story But I told you immediately when I was done that I made that up. I am not going to stand up here and make something up and not tell you that I made it up. And I really won't do that anyway. That was to make one single point that people can make stuff up, all right? So I'm sorry if I threw that one perhaps ill-considered illustration months ago or weeks ago that I've caused you to lose trust in me, but I will endeavor to earn that back in the coming weeks and months and years if the Lord tarries. Amen? So, last week, I had a dad moment come on me. I was going to say some ridiculous lie just to see if you would pick up on it, but I'm not going to do that. Last week, I preached a message on gratitude, and uh, specifically having a thankful or grateful heart. And I'm continuing that today with a message I have cleverly titled, Give Thanks. I tell you again that tonight's message at the Community Thanksgiving Service will contain uh, parts of my sermon from last week and parts of my sermon today, uh, but it will be even shorter than this morning's message, okay? And you still need to be there. The main thing is, it'll be good, it'll be, it'll be a different message, but you'll, you'll recognize a lot of it. And the main thing is to get together with other believers in the time of fellowship. There's been a lot of that lately, and it's just getting better and better, so please come and enjoy that. Um, as I mentioned last week, there is a difference. I just mentioned it, and I told you last week, if you're listening, you might remember that this is what we would be talking about this week, the difference between being thankful and giving thanks. And it's an important difference. Because last week, the heart of the message was being thankful. Again, a thankful heart. We looked clear back to the Garden of Eden, and we, we looked at how uh, when Adam and Eve 
faced the serpent when, when the, the tempter came and tempted them to eat of this fruit, uh, they perhaps exhibited a familiarity or a lack of gratitude by not focusing on everything they had. The reason they were tempted to eat this one thing, and I got to be careful with this because you have to understand the fall of mankind hadn't taken place yet. Adam and Eve wrestled with the tempter and the temptation, but one thing they did not wrestle with yet was the sin nature. You and I were born, before we were born again, we are much more susceptible to temptation because our flesh uh, does not follow the things of God without being disciplined by the Spirit. You know this, right? Uh, but Adam and Eve, they, they were there unfallen, so they did this sin nature, but the tempter was very good at what he did. And for a moment, at least, they took their eyes off of everything God had given them and focused only on the one thing that God had forbidden them to partake of. And a heart of gratitude lives in constant appreciation for the ordinary, the stuff that we consider ordinary, the day-to-day -day blessings. Uh, and then we looked at Cain and Abel, too. That We looked at how God was displeased not just with Cain's offering, but with Cain himself, indicating that Cain was resentful for having to bring a, an offering to God in the first place, rather than gladly offering uh, thanks for the very things that he was offering to God, just like we, just like we talked about uh, right before we took up the offering. Cain's uh, attitude was, I'm the one that worked to raise these fruits, these vegetables, this produce of the land, and I'll bring them to you because you're God, but not recognizing that God is the one who brought that produce from the seed and gave the soil and the air and the sunshine and everything and gave Cain the strength and ability to harvest it. When we lose appreciation, when we lose gratitude, we are taking a step away from God and we are forgetting everything that he has given us. We looked at several scriptures in the New Testament too, and I want to look at a couple of those, two or three of them again today. Let me read through these quickly because uh, we're in such a hurry because it's such a long message. And in conclusion, let me say, no, in, uh, uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and build, uh, built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 28, and I'm reading this one from the New American Standard Bible. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let's show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe for our Lord is a consuming fire. In these passages, I read those three and a few others last week, but I mixed in some that said be thankful, with thankfulness. All three of these say, are about giving thanks, showing gratitude. We are reminded, we are instructed not just to be thankful, but to give thanks. And this should really speak to us in here today. Because we are spirit-filled believers, right? We are word of faith believers. We understand, we recognize the power of the tongue. Right? Don't we? What does the word say about the power of the tongue? I'll start with this. It says life and death 
are in the power of the tongue. Jesus said, say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. First John says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And what's it mean to confess? It means to speak together, to say the same thing. In this case, to align your speech with God's word. The word of God is alive and powerful, and we can speak that word. You look at some of the great moments of prayer that are mentioned in the Bible. Think about when Moses prayed for Miriam's healing. He cried out, Lord, I beseech you, heal her now. When Joshua prayed for the sun and moon to stand still, he didn't say a quiet prayer in his heart. He spoke to the sun, shouted it out, cried out aloud. You think about Elijah on Mount Carmel, calling down fire on the sacrifice. These people didn't offer silent prayer. They prayed aloud. Sometimes they cried out, cried out very loud. Uh, And we have, and we will again sometime, do a message or a series even on the power of the tongue because it is important. Today, I just want to emphasize that that, the power of the tongue and the importance of aligning our speech with the Word of God applies very specifically to thanksgiving, among other things. Now, Look at it, uh, I'll start with this, I guess. Saying thanks and saying thanks regularly is an excellent way of not only reminding yourself to be thankful, but of actually creating a thankful heart in you. I'm going to go slightly off topic here. Um, Because we are talking about the tongue, let me say something about speaking in tongues. Uh, There are many denominations Uh, and non-denominational churches that believe in speaking in tongues who do not, and we don't all see eye to eye on that. Obviously, we don't see eye to eye with the cessationist, the person who says the gifts of the Spirit have passed, that tongues are no longer for today, and and any of the gifts. Uh, Obviously, we don't see eye to eye with them. And yet, I embrace many of those as brothers and sisters in the Lord. I think they're wrong on that point, and most of you do too. But there are some people who view tongues as uh, the same way as some cessationists believe. It's ecstatic speech. It's where you lose all control and uh, it's kind of a rattling and a babbling. And I don't think the scripture uh, presents it that way. Uh, Some say that it is, uh, I I would say the biggest difference is this uh, between some churches and others is that they don't differentiate between praying in tongues and the public utterance of tongues. It hasn't been that long since we did a message on the gifts of the Spirit, and we point out that difference. Uh, but uh, if you're scratching your head, if you don't remember anything I'm saying about that, or you weren't part of our, our uh, of those here for those messages, just go read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. It's pretty clear uh, that Paul is talking about two different things, that there is a public utterance of tongues, a manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit, and then there is also the facility or the ability to pray in tongues, which looks like from just what Paul is writing, things like, I thank God I pray in tongues more than you all, uh, is available to every Spirit-filled believer. This devotional gift of praying in tongues. Now, I don't believe it's a salvation issue. And there are, this is one of the things that we might differ with certain 
uh, denominations that believe in speaking in tongues. Hey, if you're not speaking in tongues, it means you're not filled with the Spirit. If you're not filled with the Spirit, you're not saved. Uh, I, don't, I don't go that far. I believe it is possible to be saved without experiencing the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe it's possible to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and still struggle with praying in tongues. And that's kind of where I'm going with this. Because, and I'll give you a little bit of my background, and again, most of you know this. I am not, by nature, given to some of the more charismatic manifestations of Word of Faith believers, charismatic believers. Meaning, uh, uh, and I don't want to date myself because I know some of these things were a little more familiar to people 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Uh, but you used to be, we pray for the sick. We prayed for the sick several times. I mean, with a healing line just over the past few weeks. I'm a big believer in laying hands on the sick. Uh, but I can remember a time when if you had 20 people standing up to receive healing, uh, you felt like God wasn't in the room if at least half of them didn't fall down. And I believe there are people who've been touched by the power of God who literally lost the ability to stand. Who They call it call it being slain in the spirit, going out under the power, whatever you want. This was a very common experience in churches like this. And I'm here to tell you it has never happened to me. Is it because I don't believe? Is it because God doesn't like me? I don't think it's either one of those things. I'm just telling you, it's never happened to me. I've never been quote-unquote drunk in the spirit. I've never experienced this uncontrollable laughter. Some of these more, again, I've referred to them as exuberant manifestations of the Spirit. Uh, but I will tell you this, that when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues was the easiest thing in the world for me. I didn't struggle with that at all. And I think that, and that's not because I'm spiritual. If I was spiritual, I'd have been slain in the Spirit, right? No, it's not, that's not it at all. It's because I knew from all that I had received so much teaching by that point on what the Word of God had to say, and I'd been surrounded by so many believers who had experienced it, that I knew that once I asked for and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that I would be able to speak in tongues. And I did. I was just primed. I was ready for it. And I had Scripture to stand on. And I wanted that so bad. Why? Because uh, Paul writes there in that same passage I was talking about, uh, particularly in 1 Corinthians 14, that when you pray in an unknown tongue, your spirit is edified. Your spirit is praying. And that is a way of building yourself up spiritually. We pray out mysteries. Uh, speaking more from experience, uh, this I always associate really beginning to pray regularly like this when I was at Canaan land because there was so much to pray about. This was my first occupational ministry job overseeing uh, 20 resident students who were recovering, most of them from uh, crack addictions, uh, a year-long program. And these guys came from different backgrounds. There were all sorts of tension. 20 guys living in close quarters for a year uh, could have been a recipe for disaster if the Spirit of the Lord wasn't superintending things. And I knew I couldn't do it by myself. I didn't have a background where I could relate to this problem, but God had called me there to do this. And so I would walk the grounds nightly and pray. And I knew 
every guy's name. I knew them by name and face. I knew them by room number. And I would just walk around and pray down the list in my mind of each individual. Everything I knew to pray. I knew what some of them were dealing with uh, in detail. And then when I was done praying everything I knew, I would pray in tongues until I felt I had prayed everything I was supposed to pray. But I always knew, once I got done praying in English, that I wasn't done. There were other things that I needed to pray for, but I didn't know what they were. So I'd switch over, okay? And I'll continue to do that. But I mention this now because I've had many conversations with people over the years, including some of you who have struggled with receiving your prayer language. Again, it's not the end all. It's not the mountaintop. Ah, I finally arrived because I speak in tongues. But you've seen uh, and you've heard teaching. It's like, this is something I should be able to do. It's something that is advantageous for me as a Christian, but I struggle with it. Uh, You believe in tongues, but you have trouble with it in practice. And my question is this. What are you doing with your tongue while you are awaiting the manifestation of your prayer language? What I mean is this, and it kind of cuts both ways. You know, James... Uh, writes that the tongue is an unruly evil. It is full of deadly poison and that no man can tame it. It doesn't say the tongue is untamable, but he says that no man can tame it. And I maintain that one of the best things we can do to have our tongue trained is to yield it to the Holy Spirit. And if we pray in tongues regularly, we are giving the Holy Spirit access to our tongue, and our tongue is tamed. And that will spill over to when, so that less poison comes out of our mouth when we're speaking in conversation, when we are not praying specifically, right? Uh, but, again, when I look back at my days praying at Canaan land, and the way I pray today, I see that I naturally flow into praying in tongues when I'm out of words on my own. So it kind of goes both ways. So if this is something you're struggling with, I would say start with praise and worship. If you are not using the language that you have, which is the English language for most of you, if you're not using that to praise him, to thank him, to worship him, to pray to him, then what do you need tongues for? I think of the old hymn, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. I remember when as a kid, hearing that, I was, I was thinking, well, what's this hymn mean? Oh, you're just you're wishing there were a thousand people singing with you. No, it's the praiser saying, I wish I had more than one tongue. I wish I had more, more than one mouth because I'm so full of praise. One mouth and, and one tongue isn't enough. I wish I had a thousand tongues. Well, Just take that a step further. I wish I could praise you with more than just my language. But if you're not praising him in the language that you have, I wish I could pray more full of the Spirit. I wish I could pray in this tongue where the Holy Spirit would just take over. Why? There are certainly things you know to be praying about now. Are you praying about them in your tongue? Yield your tongue to him with what? Again, both ways. If I pray in tongues, I believe the training that yielding my tongue to the Spirit is training my tongue to pray more uh, spiritually and more in line with God's Word even when I pray in English. But if I'm not praying in English, then there's really, uh, I'm not saying God is withholding it. I'm saying 
why is tongues important to you? Why is praying in tongues important to you if you're not praying in English? Just think about that. All right. You know, let me just say one more thing about that. I want that to be clear, and I'm not sure I have been. The Spirit is built up. The Word of life produces life in us. And to move away from the tongues example, it goes with other things that we say. I want to be thankful because the Word tells me to be thankful. And if I'm thankful, I need to give my thanks. So the word of life, as I speak it, whether I'm speaking it in English or speaking it in tongues, it produces life in me. Words of thanks produce thanksgiving in me. I can train myself to be thankful by giving thanks, even if I don't feel as thankful as I am. Do you agree with that? And can you see it? Uh, it's another way of just aligning my confession up with God's word. What do we say, man, if we're believing for a, a, a need to be met, a specific need to be met, and we need provision in our lives, what do we do? We should be saying, we should be saying what the word of God says. Thank God who supplies all of my need according to his riches and glory. If I need healing in my body, thank you, Lord, that you are the God who heals me. Thank you that by, by Jesus' stripes I'm healed. And say what the Word of God says about it. So therefore, even if I can look or if somebody points out to me, man, you are not being very appreciative. You're not very grateful. You don't have a thankful heart. You're a whiner, whatever. I start saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You're right. I don't feel like this, but I recognize objectively that I have you to thank for this, and I am thankful. I declare that I am thankful. I'm a thankful child. I'm a grateful child. I'm, a, I'm not an ingrate. I will bless you and give you thanks and you are training yourself to recognize all of the good that God has done for you. Meanwhile, those of you who are generally feeling more grateful, you can look around and just think, man, I am so thankful. You walk around in this state of appreciation. You owe it to the Lord, he, because he's, we are commanded to do this, to speak that out. Be thankful, but don't stay full of thanks. Empty yourself of that thanks. Give it to him. That's good for our Christian witness, too. People can make fun of it all they want, but I always appreciate it when any celebrity or an athlete in the, in the post-game interview, if they just will acknowledge, thank you. I just want to say thanks to God. I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I always appreciate it when they name the God they're referring to. Uh, but it just to, not like, oh, Jesus made us win the game today. That's not it. It's thank him. I just thank him for the opportunity. Thank him for the opportunity to play a game I love. Thank him for the opportunity to, to know these teammates and, and thankful for the opportunity to represent him and to use this brief platform to give him praise. A thankful heart is an excellent witness to a world that still needs to know Jesus. Now, uh, shifting gears here for just a second, it is a legitimate question to ask, what about people who are absolutely destitute? Maybe they're imprisoned or persecuted for their faith. People around the world who don't have a tenth or a hundredth of what you and I have. I'll give you an answer for that in a second. 
But first, let me say this. You worry about you. Don't really worry about you. There's, there's certainly nothing wrong with compassion. There's nothing wrong with concern uh, for your fellow believers around the world. But can you start by recognizing that you, right here today, have plenty to be thankful for? But back to that question, let's look at Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 24, this is 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-four. he writes, from the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. That's uh, 39. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily? my deep concern for all the churches. This is Paul, uh, partly, this is part of what he's offering to defend his apostleship. He says, I'm not saying these things from my ivory tower. I have been through it. But this is the same letter, the same letter, 2 Corinthians, where in chapter 4 he had written this, in verse 16, therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's how we can be thankful in the midst of, even if we... Thank him for food. I don't have any food. Thank him for shelter. I have no shelter. Here Paul said he was in nakedness, didn't have clothes. Protection? He was stoned. He was beaten. He was left for dead. In danger of drowning out in the, out in the ocean. And yet what? Could he thank God in the middle of this? Yes, because no matter what he was going through, he had an eternal perspective. Whatever I'm going through now, it's not going to last forever. If it's nothing but bad from here till I die or when Jesus comes back, that's okay because it's just until then and what happens on the other side is forever. This weight of glory that is being produced in the middle of these struggles is eternal. Now, that's not, we should not be, well, I guess it's just going to be terrible until then. No, because Jesus still promises the abundant life. Paul was thankful for some, you can read it, read, read, uh, read uh, any of his letters. He's, I'll, I thank God for you daily. I'm so grateful that Timothy is here, that Luke is here, that Mark is here. He's thankful for the things, that somebody's bringing me stuff. If it weren't for this guy visiting, blah, blah, blah. He recognizes the good things that are happening in his life. And we should too. We shouldn't back off from claiming the promises of God. But just don't lose heart when we're not walking in the full manifestation of those things. Not just don't lose heart, but be grateful and give thanks for those blessings. 
Let me read you three more passages here. Philippians chapter 4. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Written from prison. Colossians. Uh, chapter 3, beginning in verse... Uh, well, I'll just read 15 here. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Written from prison. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 18. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ written from prison. Even in prison, even in the midst of persecution, there is reason to be thankful. And of course, there's always this. Psalm 136, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? For he is good. And his mercy endures forever. So here's what we're going to do. Before I have the praise and worship team come up, before I give an altar call, I want to do this. Let's thank him. One by one. Not everybody. I'm not, I'm not going to point you out and say, you, right now, thank him for something. But I want you to stand up or at least say out loud, here's what I'm thankful for. I'll start. I'm believing, as many of you know, I'm believing for a complete manifestation of healing in my body. I've been dealing with stuff ever since June. There's some things that still aren't right. And I'm believing for a, a complete manifestation. But I'm not, I'm not, I know where you think I'm going. I, I think, I, and I do thank God for his promises. I thank God for his promise of healing. Meanwhile, you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for breath and life. I'm thankful that I'm standing here today with clarity of mind, clear eyesight. For all the manifestations of health I am currently enjoying, I am thankful to God. You can say, just raise your hand or shout, stand up and say, Thank God for this, or I'm thankful for this. Go. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody who shared. And I know we could, we could turn this into a long service. Uh, but that was good practice, wasn't it? Let's make a habit of saying that to somebody. Say it to your spouse. Say it to, say it to your parents. Say it to your children. You know, I'm thankful for. It's a good time of year to do that. People, do people still do the Thanksgiving? Hey, we're going to put something... Uh, pull a leaf off and say what we're thankful for, or stick a leaf, whatever. There's other ways you can do this, but everybody go around, what are you thankful for today? You'll never run out of stuff. You really won't. Uh, go ahead, uh, praise and worship team, you can be making your way up here. And everybody else, why don't you go ahead and stand. Thank you, thank you. This was, that was uh, wonderful, hearing those testimonies of thanksgiving. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you're thankful, say it. And I know that everybody in here, no matter what you just vocalized in terms of what you're thankful for, if you're a believer, I know you're thankful for that, that Jesus Christ has saved you, that he went to the cross, that everything that we are enjoying here as believers today, every benefit of salvation starts with salvation itself. Uh, it is the nothing else matters. No matter how pleasant your life is, no matter how successful you are, 
uh, all the good stuff. You know, we just read where Paul wrote about all this horrible stuff he'd been through, and he's like, I'm not worried about it because it's temporary. Guess what? So is worldly success and pleasure. This whole life is a vapor that vanishes away. It appeareth for a little while, and then it's gone. And then where are we? We're over on the other side. We're in eternity. What's that like? It depends on what decision you make this side of eternity. Will you look to the cross? Will you look to Christ and say, that was for me, and it was for me because I needed that done for me? That there was no save in myself. I needed a Savior, and thank God he provided a Savior in Jesus Christ, who went willingly to pay my sin debt and cause me to be righteous before God. It's already been paid for, but you must believe. You talk about the power of the tongue, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. I thought Jesus already did all the work. He did. Are you going to confess it and believe it? It's all that's required. It's all that's required to be saved. He'll require other things of you, but everything he, he will empower you to do everything else he's called you to do. So that's my question. That's why I want to close the service with, is there anybody who needs to make that decision today? Like, I, I've, I've always known about God. I've always believed in God. But no, I've never confessed him as my Lord and Savior. If you want to make that decision today, you're going to have the opportunity here in about 30 seconds. I'm going to pray a prayer. And when I'm done praying, they'll start singing, and you come up here and let me pray for you. Don't be shy about it. Practically everybody in here who is saved, which is practically everybody in here, maybe everybody in here, everybody's done this. It's worth celebrating. Don't, you don't have to sneak. You don't have to be embarrassed. We want to celebrate this with you. I don't want you to get saved in secret because it's a very, we need to make our confession publicly. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us so much to be thankful for and forgive us when we have failed to feel that gratitude, sense that gratitude, and, fail, and, and forgive us for when we sensed it and failed to offer it to you. Help us to be people, not just a thankful people, but a people of thanksgiving. And we are thankful for the cross. Thank you for the cross, Lord, that makes a way, gives us access to you. And it's our prayer as believers in this place that if there are any unbelievers, those who have not yet confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and come into that saving relationship with the creator of the universe, that, Holy Spirit, you would do the job that only you can do, that you would convict the sinner, convict the lost of their need for that, that salvation experience, that you would create in them or fan the flames in them of a desire to be saved and grant them the boldness and the wisdom to seize that opportunity today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you come. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you enjoyed today's message, consider sharing it with a friend. For more content and information about Living Word, check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. And remember to live the gospel and preach the gospel.